2: This is Doc Weston, and this episode of the Gun Nation. One of the Gun Nation co-hosts was on a major daytime television program, and guess who they didn't mention? We get to a bunch of your emails, we talk about the considerations of clothing for concealed carry, and then finish up with what? would be the optimal size of a handgun for concealed carry all that and a whole lot more in this episode of the gun nation it all begins right now Once again, for the Gun Nation, tonight we have Melanie. (laughs) Melody, of course, we know who she is. Excuse me, Lauer. We have Paul the Blade Carlson. Mm -hmm. We've got Kombucha Hair Man, who who is now deemed himself as the, um, who was it? Jeremy Clarkson of the Gun Nation. That
3: seems to be that seems to be what everybody
2: seems the to going do. thing. I'm the Stig. I'm the Stig. Um, who could we? Uh, who's Paul? He can be James May. I,
1: I, guess, I someone, guess I'm gonna have to look that up, huh?
2: Yeah, I've never. <laughs> oh, you don't know what this major, is? We're you, talking about Top Gear. No? <clears throat> no, it's Top Gear. Top Gear. Uh, and Melody, you know, we, they don't have a girl on the show, so I don't yeah, know. No. We can just say she's the star and the reason to be price car or something i don't know the reasonably priced holster anyway here we are and uh let's see uh ian is uh not with us tonight and joe is uh uh handling some things tonight so uh we're gonna forge ahead oh, i hope everybody you guys doing okay by the way having a good week so far oh so, so good. good yeah oh, yes. you know i listen i noticed on on the facebooks as uh Paul likes to talk about it. Uh, Melanie, <laughs> I told her we are going to say her name like that all the time. We, we shouldn't. Melody <clears throat> was on, uh, what's this TV show deal? With what happened here? What's going on?
0: Yeah, well, uh, obviously you guys all know about all the media attention surrounding my baby wearing and carrying class. And probably about a week ago, I got an email from the CBS co-producer of the show The Doctors, which is a daytime television show featuring a panel of four doctors, and they talk about health-related issues, safety-related issues. Um, she said that they loved my, my class and the, um, the media coverage surrounding it and wanted to fly me out to California to talk about it. And being a properly su- uh, suspicious individual that I am, I was looking for their, you know, angle to pounce on me and rip me to shreds and all that stuff. And she assured me that that's not what they were looking to do, that they just wanted to talk about the safety aspect. And, you know, and she said, yeah, there are people who are going to have concerns, but I'm sure you have answers for that. And I was like, well, yeah, I guess I do. <laughs> yeah. So, um so they, I, I agreed to do it on Tuesday. I had my itinerary Wednesday night and on Thursday I was on a plane to California and uh, Friday about 1130 to four, we, you know, they did the whole production thing and I really wasn't sure even flying out there. I knew what the topic was, which of course was the baby wearing and <laughs> carrying class, but I still had no clue what they wanted me to do. I didn't know if I was going to be doing a demonstration. I didn't know if I was going to be just talking about the issue. I really had no clue. So they bas- I, I basically threw a whole bunch of dummy guns and some holsters in the suitcase. Um, I, I had a safe, a quick access safe that I threw in there. I contemplated taking my real gun with me, but I went, you know what? I'm just not even going to go there. No, thanks. <laughs> So yeah, it's like uh, knowing me, I'd probably be arrested or something. And that then they'd really have something to talk about on TV. But um, so I left my real guns at home. But anyway, so I got there and they did the whole hair and makeup thing, and I still had no clue what I was doing, you know. (laughs) And then they uh, they showed me back to my room and or my dressing room, and they're like, okay. So this this producer comes in and she's like. OK, we want you to demo this and we want you to, you know, they wanted me to bring Rayland with me and do a demo. But I was like, you know what? The negative press that I've gotten has been enough for me to handle. Oh, I don't man. want to put my family through that. Mm. So I was like, I'm not bringing I'm not bringing Rayland with me. Um, oh, wait, I said his name. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I said, you know, I'm not bringing my baby with me. And they respected that at least they weren't too too hard on that one so anyway they but they brought in a a baby doll and they brought in a wrap which a you know a baby carrying wrap and they're like we want you to demo this and I'm going well how much time do I have and they're like well you're just going to have this short little segment and I told her if I just have this short segment I'm not going to have time to wrap baby and everything up I really didn't think that was a good idea. And just with the way I didn't want it to be more of a circus show, you know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, I told her, I told her, well, you know, I can do the holster demo. And she's telling me, I want you to tell me why other people get it wrong. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can tell you why people get it wrong. They don't follow the, follow the rule, four rules of gun safety and they don't stare, store their firearms properly. So she's like, good, yes, let's talk about that. Not five minutes later, another woman comes in and she's like, We want you to demo how to do it right. And I'm like, Okay, but this person just told me how she wanted me to talk about why people do it wrong. And she's like, Well, no, no, no. We want you to do it, you know, demo doing it right and how you would do it. I was like, Okay, I can do that. (laughs) So we get down to the green room, which is the staging room right before you go on. And she pulls me aside again and she's like, well, we want to go over the questions that they're going to ask you because they're supposed to follow a script. I'm like, okay. So she's asking me these questions. I'm answering them. And they're, they're very standard questions like, Hey, there are people who say that this is irresponsible. What would you say to them? And I'm giving my answers and I'm giving them really short, like one, two seconds, two sentence answers because she told me I had very little time. And she goes, well, don't be afraid to elaborate if you feel like you need to. And I'm like, okay. So I started elaborating a little bit more. And she's like, no, you need to get to the point faster than that. I'm just like, oh, my gosh.
2: So they don't what know I what I they want.
0: <laughs> yeah. So finally, I'm literally being briefed as they're bringing me into the, the audience there. And if you've ever seen a show like that, they have. They have the main event kind of and then they have like smaller events from the from the audience. All right. So I was one of the small side acts <laughs> in the audience. <laughs> so they lead me in, I'm sitting there, and they they immediately start the segment and it's they show this video of me one of the YouTube videos I made six years ago of me baby wearing and carrying with my oldest son. Mm-hmm. And they are showing this video and they're saying how people think that this is irresponsible and stuff like that. However, this is what I'm doing. And the crowd is is responding very negatively. The crowd is going like, oh, that's crazy. Boo. No. Yeah. Oh, that's insane. (laughs) And I'm sitting in the middle of it going, oh, geez, what did I walk into? And then of course, the the head doctor guy is like, and we have her here with us today. And there's, of course, no one's clapping for me because they all just spent all that time booing me. Right. And so he asks his first question, which is like, hey, you know, tell us why you started this class, which, you know, I've talked about before on here. And then he he asks, you know, there are people who'd say that this is irresponsible. What do you think of those? And I just responded that, you know, hey, I, I take our individual responsibility for our safety very seriously and those kinds of things. Well, as I'm answering that, the other guy on the left-hand side just freaking blows up and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What are we in the wild West where people have to carry guns and people start <laughs> clapping for him? Then he throws in, especially women.
4: Ooh.
0: And instantly, The entire crowd and his female co-host turn on him and they're like, what's the matter with someone being, you know, competently trained and armed? And, and then one gal says, you know, I have female clients who are, who are police officers, who are moms. This is a real issue for them. And so, and they kind of war amongst each other and I sit back going, okay, go to it girls. (laughs) And after that's all over, he, they kind of just went, one gal was like, hey, I really think what you're doing is, is great because you're teaching safety and, you know, we need more of that. And she runs, she reads off a few statistics about safety and the numbers of females who are increasing in concealed carry and stuff like that. And then they pretty much wrap it up and that was it. And so it kind of ended on a neutrally positive note. Now, how much they're actually going to air of that, I have no idea because this is just the taping. They'll, they'll do all the editing. Right. So I really don't know what's going to be the final product. But when I left, it was definitely much more neutrally positive than it was negative. There was no more booing. There was no more, oh, that's crazy kind of stuff. So I will call that, I guess, a win. Then when I went back to the dressing room, um, which made my, the rest of my day, was a gal came and found me. And she said, you're the gal who did the baby-wearing and caring thing, right? And I said, yeah. And she said, I am a National Guardswoman and a police officer. I love that you're doing this and that you're standing up for this. Thank you so much. So awesome. that really was like, you know what? That made it worth it right there. Yeah,
2: that put a little icing there, huh?
0: Yeah, it <laughs> That's did. Great. It really did.
2: Well, did um, so that
0: was my day.
2: <laughs> wow. Talking about a day. Wow. Did they? Yeah, um, it was static. Well, did they ever applaud you? Anybody?
0: It, not really. <laughs> oh, like God. I said, when it, when I came out and when it was like, oh, she's in the audience. There was, and they did. You know, I did have a dummy gun on me, and they they asked me to show where I would carry, which I did, and I I stressed that it was a dummy gun, but. You're in California. You know, yeah. there aren't a lot of people who are used to seeing people with guns. And I think the gal who is sitting right behind me, who is one of the most vocal, like, oh, no, boo, that's crazy. She kind of did this little like.
2: <gasps> oh, yeah. <laughs> the,
0: the idea that I was sitting right in front of her and quote unquote <laughs> armed, even though it was just a dummy gun, was, I think, a little bit of a shock for her. So it was kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, but you know what? That kind of proves a point, actually. I mean, had that been a real firearm and you weren't expected to stand up and show, period, that you had something, she would have never known.
0: Exactly.
4: Which means you're
2: not the one that's going to be killing everybody in the uh, audience. So, I mean, you know. Yeah.
0: And I was dressed in, you know, um, a skirt and a nice blazer. And, you know, I mean, dressed very professionally. And I don't think that was – and even my hairdresser, when she was doing my hair, when she found out the topic that I was talking about, she goes – you know, I think this is going to be interesting because you are not what anyone would think of when they think girl with a gun. Right. You know, she goes, the idea that comes to my mind is kind of like this military looking, kind of a big brawny female. And he goes, she's like, I know that's kind of sexy, <laughs> but she's like you are so (laughs) tiny and petite and Mm -hmm. cute and adorable. (laughs) She goes. (laughs) I really, she goes, when you told me what you were going to be talking about, she goes, I kind of had to think like, really? Seriously? (laughs) And she goes, I thought you were joking at first. So she goes, I think that you might be, you know, it might be interesting to see the kind of responses you get, considering you're not the typical gun person. And that, that may be, we'll have to see.
2: Well, I don't, not typical gun person, just not the typ- typically perceived. I guess yes. gun person. Yes, because there's plenty of nice, small, you know, uh, you know, cuddly. <laughs> I mean, look at Grant. Uh, yeah, you beat me to it, Doc. Yeah. I, I I could hear, I could hear adorable. your breath go in. You're, you're getting ready to say it, Paul. I knew well, it was coming, so I thought you I'd know jump what's. In. I, and I think what's kind of sad about that
3: comment is that there's still. That perception out there that there is a quote unquote gun person type, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That 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 you can identify a gun person because uh, I don't know they drool or or drag their knuckles or I I don't know something like that, but there is that still that public perception and when we start talking about things like, and we've talked about things like this on the show before, the open carry shenanigans that happen. And and it always seems to be the loud mouth the, that seems to get involved in those things and perpetuates that image in the public. Yeah, of, the stereotype. Uh, the, the, the stereotype in the public of the, uh, how, sh- how shall we say, uncouth gun owner and so i i think it's great that you're on the show. I think it's uh oh it's wonderful fantastic, that they, absolutely that they did, yeah, um, I'm just sad that 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 I'm sad that you that you were a surprise to them, I guess is what I'm trying to say it's it's sad that you were surprised they should have if 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 this were i mean if this were an ideal society, they would look at you and go they wouldn't even think that 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 mm-hmm. wouldn't even enter their head to say so yeah, well, good one, go out was- there and
0: and i think that's directly literally why they chose me too i mean here i am this tiny little female mom who's you know just doing her thing and it's so against what people think of as the quote-unquote air quote norm Mm
4: -hmm. that
0: this would be a good controversial issue to drum up ratings um you know let's take this little tiny female and let's put her up here and have her carry a gun and, and let everyone go. Oh, wow. She had a gun on her, you know, mm-hmm. that makes for good television.
2: Yeah. And, and, and the funny. dissenting, the one dissenting voice up there on the stage probably was a, uh, a plant too. I mean, you know, oh,
0: absolutely. In know. fact, I was so, his reaction was so over the top, which I, I'm interested <laughs> to see what it will play like on television because I was sitting there thinking, there's no way anyone would fall for that, really. Mm-hmm. That is so overtly fake.
2: well, they're doctors, he, not actors, right?
0: <laughs> yeah I mean <laughs> well, he, he threw, stays at a holiday he and threw express his them. hands <laughs> up into the air and slammed his fist down on the the table thing, and I'm going, really people <laughs> people i mean if they actually had video of my face and they show it I'm, I, my face is probably the the you know raised eyebrow like. Are you freaking sitting? Serious? I probably
3: shouldn't say that on the podcast. That's all right. Well, you know, he's the funny thing is, he's there for a purpose, and the purpose is to make a con, common enemy. Because it, it, right after that happened, by your description, you know, the old saying, "the enemy of my enemy is my friend." Well, all mm-hmm. this, all of a sudden, <laughs> of a sudden um, he was the enemy, and all, this, and you were. If not friends with all the women in the audience, certainly they weren't perceiving you nearly as negatively as they did before. So
0: exactly. it exactly. worked. It, it did. and it took a it took a, a drastic sea change all of a sudden. It went from me being the enemy to all of a sudden people were kind of defending me. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what's wrong with a trained female? and and that right there was like, yes, it came out. What is wrong? with a, fee- a female who's trained in firearms. Nothing. Yeah. So I think if, if they leave that tone throughout the segment, I think it will bode well.
2: Well, you know what I think they should have done is just introduce you and shut up. <laughs> you know, let you go and just explain it. And just, you know, but, you know, I guess they had to have the theatrics. And the, yeah, are they, they real doctors? Or, or as I, Paul says, did they think- just stay at Holiday Inn Express?
0: I think they are. I think they're real doctors, but I don't think I don't know if they practice anymore. I don't know the answer
2: Hmm. to that. Yeah, well, and I'm imagining, and they're like an older. (laughs) (laughs) Shut your hole, Paul Carlson. (laughs) Uh, As Grant likes to say, that was funny the first one thousand times you did it.
3: (laughs) No, it's still funny.
2: See, I can show edit that hilarious. out, though. I can edit it out, <laughs> but I won't. I'll leave it in. But um, <clears throat> the the um, uh, I, I'm assuming that uh, the the old, I guess, if I'm not mistaken, and I've seen like I've never watched the show ever, but uh, you know, occasionally you see like the uh, I guess advertisements that they have for it. You know, tomorrow on the doctors, and 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 they're like a like an older guy, like is an older doctor. Is he uh, the one? They
0: actually, no. They have. The main—they call him the mediator. He's his name is Travis. He's actually a younger guy. He's uh, handsome, you know, and and he always wears scrubs. And he's the one who brings up the issues. And then if they get out of hand, he's the one who's like, whoa, 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 let's go back to the the topic at hand. Mm-hmm and i don't know what doctor he is but then they have three other doctors one of them is i'd say probably in his 50s and then the other two are female mm-hmm. um, one of them is an ob and the other one is a think a pediatrician and they are i'd say 40s you know mm-hmm. 30s late 30s 40s somewhere in there so mm-hmm. no no one is older
2: well, i guess I, you say. i'm assuming well which one's the one that, that- was the dissenting voice there?
0: He was the older one. Yeah, that, that's the, what I was
2: getting to. I mean, he. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I've read something. He was like a plastic surgeon or something. Like
0: yes, that. he is a plastic. Yeah, surgeon. and
2: he, he's got his face looks like he's done some work on himself. <laughs> So uh, I think I know who it is now. But uh, well, well, when's this going to be on? Did they tell you when it would they air? They
0: said between four and six weeks and that they'd send me an email right about a week before it aired. So I I should know when it when it actually airs.
2: Oh, well, cool. You'll be on the show. We'll talk about it before and after. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll be able to clip it and we'll have it on our on our website, too. Um, but, yeah, I saw your your picture on Facebook where you're standing next to your star on your door. <laughs> Said Mel- Melody Lauer, they got the name right, Melody. Lauer.
0: Yes, they did.
3: Unlike <clears throat> you guys.
2: Well, you know,
3: you know, uh, Paul. I noticed that, that Doc has never given us stars on our doors.
1: Yeah, and the green M and M's. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Come on. Yeah. Nothing Seriously. but green. You yeah. get no stars. <sighs> oh, you want stars, but uh, let let me ask you, Melody, one thing. <clears throat> When you got down to the green room, did they have, like, the jelly donuts, the crullers, the kombucha? Was there kombucha there?
0: I, I don't know if there was kombucha. There was food everywhere. They hmm. had, like, a whole buffet in the hallway that you could just go and pick off of. They had, uh, like, little sandwiches, and they had literally cases of water just lining the wall. You know, and you could just walk by and pick up a piece, you know, a, a bottle of water and just go Um, and, but down in the green room, it was, there was nothing in the green room except for a fake office. Mm. And you just sat in the chair until they called you. But I was only in the green room for maybe two minutes Mm -hmm. before they called me out to the stage. So it was, it was literally just a very short staging area. Mm. But, um, and I was so confused. I didn't, Feel Like eating because I was kind of like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I loved <laughs> the part where you know, I got my hair, you know, the only thing the only part that went easily was the hair and makeup. Then afterwards, it was like, has someone come from wardrobe for you? I'm like, No. And then they're like, Okay, well, stay right where you're at. So I stay right where I'm at. Two seconds later, someone else walks by and goes, Why aren't you at wardrobe? Because I was told to stay right here. Um, so there was a lot of that kind of chaos going on, and then you know, like I said, one person coming saying, "Say this." Well, don't say that. We'll say this. Well, no, don't say that. We want mm-hmm. you to demo this, but not that. So yeah, it was it it got chaotic really quick.
2: Well, I I think it's fantastic that you did it. Oh, um, well, thank you. You know, and we're very proud of you and happy that uh, you're part of this show and that you were on that show too. So uh, hey, no, wait wait okay. wait 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 wait, not not don't say it. <laughs> Don't say it. I've got a No, for nope, you. don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> <sighs> he was going to ask what? if Everyone you had knows. mentioned me mm-hmm. and the show. <laughs> yep. Already, I already asked her on Facebook. Thank you. And the answer, <laughs> of course, was no. Yeah. See? But you're not yelling at her. There's no love. Okay, what was the question? No, I'll just I- I'll cry with puppy eyes. I'm doing puppy eyes right now. Yeah.
3: Okay. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, Grant. You can message me the question.
2: The question was: Did you talk? Did you say my name on the show? And you did you, you talk about <laughs> the gun nation? <laughs> that was the question. And you could have said, "Yeah, he's a real doctor." <clears throat> yeah, that's right. There you go. Not like Bill. Not Nye. a. He's not a physician. <laughs> I no, paid my ten dollars. Like I
0: said, the only two people mm. I was actually intending to mention were Claude Warner because he did research on the negative outcomes and then Dr. William April in regards to his, his um, research and, and information on violent criminal actors and, you know, basically the why do I carry a gun kind mm-hmm. of angle? Cause I knew that question was coming up because it did come up, you know, what are you so scared of? Uh, nothing. And I thought it was interesting that the gal who also said that she thought this was a great idea was like what does she have to be scared of she packs heat I'm
3: like
2: yeah <laughs> i'm deadly biatch. anyway well you know okay so next time you go on a tv show you got to work in the gun nation a little there oh, i haven't she, got grant to do it in a book yet or anything you know like
0: what that, but i'm going to have to just start taking uh, bribes for that you know i'll send
2: you whoever, i'll send you a case of kombucha <laughs> if you what offer me a, a case of kombucha, papers. I'd do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you would drink it all, and then you'd be like, "What?" Well, <laughs> well. Anyway, we we thought that was great. Well, let us know, keep us informed as to when it's going to yeah. be on, and of course, we'll clip it and put it on the website, and then you know, alert everybody to watch it or use their DVRs or whatever tapes. They use tape anymore? I haven't seen a tape in years.
3: I don't think they do. Anymore.
2: Scotch tape. Anyway, okay, so excellent and thanks for telling us about that let's get to some email real quick here um this is from benjamin oh, he goes by Ben, it looks like and he's in loveland colorado <clears throat> says hi doc love your podcast look forward to listening every week if i had to rate who was the best <laughs> doc would be at the top that's what i'm talking about of the you list by a did. landslide you paid this guy I, I recently knew. ordered the Gun Talk Sig P two twenty in ten millimeter to carry when I hike in the Rocky Mountain National Park. It will replace a problematic Taurus Tracker in forty four Magnum that has severe timing issues that frighten me. Hmm. Do you or Grant have a suggestion for a bear load from Double Tap? I see one hundred twenty five grain loads all the way up to two hundred thirty grain, and I was wondering which would perform better if I had to shoot a bear that wants to eat me and then (laughs) well he signs it of course ben but so what do you think grant oh uh, boy it's funny they sounded
3: ben you know because i remember that what was that show gentle ben the big bear right yeah that's right yeah um yeah the 10 millimeter certainly uh, i've known people that have hunted bear with them i don't know that i've known anybody that has hunted grizzly with them. Most of the people that, that I know have done black bear, which of course are con- generally considerably small. Mm-hmm. If I were going to do it, boy, that's that, that's kind of a toughie. I think I would probably go... F- the, the the people that I've talked to that have hunted seem to really like the 180 grain Hornady XTP, which seems to be a, a, a apparently a fairly nice load. The thing with... Well, any of the dangerous animals like that, penetration mm-hmm. is pretty much everything. Yep. And so I would I would want something the the lighter bullets are simply aren't going to p- penetrate as much. Their nope. sectional density isn't as great, and they're just not going to penetrate. So you do want something heavy. I would think if we're talking big bears, one hundred and eighty grain pretty much at the minimum. Yep. And uh, and I would go that way. As far as the brand of ammo, my general rule, and, and I, you've probably heard this before, but my general rule is I don't put anything in my gun from a maker that isn't a member of Sammy. That's just a hard and fast rule. So whatever, well, heavy, makes load sense. You, yeah. Yeah, whatever heavy load you can find from a manufacturer who's actually a manufacturer, like they're actually a member of SAMI, then then do it. Again, penetration is key, so solids or very, very Expansion controlled hollow points are definitely the way to go.
2: Yep. I'd just make it a lot easier and say two hundred grain solid. Full speed, yeah, yeah. full speed. I
3: wasn't I wasn't asked my yeah,
1: opinion. Yeah, you were, I was ask and then Grant and I uh, Do you uh, think
2: Paul has anything to say about this? <laughs> Oh, Paul, do you have anything to say about this?
1: Or yeah, so I was actually taking a look at the double tap um, to to do exactly what Grant was saying is see if it's Sammy Speck, and and I happened to find Midway is the first place where I saw it. I don't see an indication that it is Sammy Speck, but when I see the loads, they've got a two hundred rain, uh, excuse me, two hundred grain lead flat point and a 230 grain lead flat point. Either of those loads would be outstanding loads. Buffalo boar probably has some very similar loads. And I like that lead because it does give that deep penetration and yet it's soft enough that there's some expansion as well. Solid performer, and that's what people would would typically use for hunting big game is, is some of those uh, lead bullets. Now, keep in mind, Rocky Mountain National Park, we're talking black bear only, unless some Grizzly bears have uh, magically migrated oh, okay. down to Colorado. We're just talking blackies. And so oh. I think, you know, at that 200 grain, 230 grain, you're going to have plenty of medicine yeah. to deal with uh, fact, with yeah, threats that face you.
3: In fact, if we're talking blackies, then you could, you could drop down to 180 very safely. Probably. Because I, I didn't know if there were grizzlies in that area, but obviously you've hiked in that area more than I have, so...
1: Yeah, lightning is the big fear there, Grant. Remember, I told a lightning story yeah, about Rocky yeah, Mountain National Park yeah, this summer. Yeah, I don't <laughs>
3: want to hear that anymore, Paul. Thank you very much. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, so I would, I would say anything from 180 grain up at that point. Uh, if we were talking grizzly, 180, I would be a little concerned with, mm-hmm. but with blackie, nah, 180, fine.
2: Yeah, I'd still get 200. But 180 yeah. and up, I think. And like 180, salads, up. you'll be yeah. good. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Good. Good answer. Uh, this one is from Christopher. Let's see if he says where he's from. No. Uh, hey, I just heard someone chime in on this topic. Thought I'd uh, fire off an email. I've had this argument more than once with open carriers, of which I am one. I, recent, <clears throat> I recently had an instructor, in in quotes, tell me he recommends that women. And other small-bodied people open carry, variously with an empty chamber or a manual safety, so that in the event of a gun grab, they have enough time to run out uh, to run out of handgun range. Whew, Did he say run out of handgun range? Yeah, run out of okay. handgun range. Just checking. This, that's why I had to, <laughs> to pause because I want to make sure I got that right. This is ridiculous on many levels. Recommending a smaller-framed individual open carry. At all is troublesome and, in my opinion, dangerous. Further, recommending that they disable their firearm by not carrying with a round in the chamber is even more dangerous and offering a manual safety as a fail safe is laughable. The simple fact is semi-automatics and manual safeties have existed in their current form for roughly, excuse me, since roughly 1900. Uh, Paul's while Ian chimes in. Of course, Ian's not with us tonight, but that is funny. <laughs> that is funny. I like it. <clears throat> I very much doubt a criminal will be stymied for very long by 120-year-old technology, much less long enough to allow you to escape. <clears throat> it is almost as ridiculous as suggesting doorknobs will delay entry into your house by nefarious individuals while, they're fi- while they figure out how they work. I won't even get into the debate about SERPA holsters or retention holsters debate. Have they never heard of Tex I guess, Greb, Grebner? Yeah, Tex <laughs> Grebner. Yeah. <clears throat> in my mind, open carriers need to acknowledge the shortcomings of open carry, same as people that conceal carry, in order to maintain an honest debate. I cannot
1: agree more with that last line. That last line. Well, no, that's true. Yes, the last line is great.
3: Accept the
1: shortcomings of open
3: carry, please, please. All right, uh, uh, let me. I'll I'll address one little piece of. Then we'll let Melody and Paul tear into this. The the the, because there's just so much meat here. There's enough for everybody. This is a banquet. The uh, the. The concept of carrying a gun with a manual safety or some other thing to momentarily distract the person who grabs your gun is not completely irrational, but in this but it's been irrationally applied here. And let's talk about that for just a second. The there have been numerous cases in police use particularly where guns have been grabbed and the bad guy couldn't figure out how to turn the safety off or get the gun into a position to run quickly enough that the officer didn't have time to get to him. In other words, it, it did flummox him. It did s- slow him down enough that the offer was, officer was able to get to the guy or employ his backup gun or whatever he had to do. So there is a kernel of truth to that. Yes, manual safeties have been around for more than a century. Ian chime in here. but But – Uh, equating them to doorknobs is just fallacious because, yes, you're a gun guy. You like to play with guns. We all do. We all know where the safeties are and how they work. But your average criminal who just saw something valuable on somebody's belt because that's what it is to them, it's just something valuable that they want to take, isn't necessarily – in fact, it's highly unlikely that he or she be uh, equal opportunity here – is going to know the ins and outs of that gun. So it, it, they use a door mob every day. They don't use safeties and, and operation levers on a gun every day. So there is kernel truth to that, but the application here is flawed. I'll let you guys tear into it now. <laughs> Melody, you want to go first? You oh, yes. Go. A, yes. It's go like ahead, handing
0: Melody. A, a, handing <laughs> a, a P7 to a gun person. You know what I mean? Exactly. Anyway, to continue. If you don't know what P7 is, go look it up. They're fun. Anyway. Um, but yeah, the the idea first of all that anyone would recommend a small female open carry and I'm not entirely sure why that would be other than the the idea that well you'll be a deterrent. Um I'm sorry. There is nothing deterrent-ish about someone my size. Uh in fact, the opposite can be said to be true quite uh, frequently people will even when i get into sparring matches and stuff like that they'll they'll kind of laugh and at the regards of oh well you really think you could use a gun or you really think you could use that there is a little bit of um that implication that just because you're small and female you can't be violent and the idea that oh, well, look at that sweet little thing there carrying that gun. I could just take that off of her, is very prevalent, um, which is exactly why I primarily conceal carry, because I don't want anyone to look at me and think, that little female, she can't put up a fight. I'll just go and take it from her, because then I'll be in a fight for not only my gun, but then i got to pull out knives, and it just it's going to get really messy. So that... In and of itself is one of my big problems with that entire email. Um, then, of course, he adds in carrying empty chamber, which is another one of those "what" kind of moments. Um, and I'll let someone else whip up open or empty chamber. But the uh, that idea that that's going to be some kind of a deterrent is is ridiculous, in my opinion.
1: Paul. Boy, I got to say, I, you know, I don't even know where to go. Let's talk about doorknobs for a second. Uh, doorknob <laughs> is to a door as a trigger is to a gun. And so as Grant mentioned, I think that's a flawed comparison. A bathroom push-button doorknob it locks, that would be similar to a safety on a firearm, where it's going to take some time, a few moments to figure out, oh, wait, this is locked. Oh, I need something small to stick in here. Boom, bathroom door is open. Of course, you wouldn't want to use that to secure your house. So don't use it to secure your gun. It's not gonna work as a gun lock, a gun safe, or or anything to keep you safe. So don't think of it that way. There are better ways to secure your firearm. And the best way for an armed citizen, unless you're legally prohibited or there's some other crazy reason why you can't do it, is to cover it up so nobody can see it. Yep. And I'm I mean, just that, gonna leave it there. I just you know, I, I I'm the tiny female <laughs> to somebody that's six foot four and two eighty-five. <laughs> You know, I'm a big guy, but there are people that are bigger than me. I'm a tiny female when there's four guys and there's just one of me. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not about a person's size. There will always be somebody bigger. There will always be somebody stronger. There'll always be more people. So we secure our guns appropriately and out in public the best way to do it is to conceal it. Yeah, you know. And there
0: will always be people who don't care how big you are. Yep. You know, I mean they will they see what they want. They have no fear of you or your gun. They will come and get it through you if necessary.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. I just want to point out that in, in in you know, listening to the way they have trained and all the steps, you know, don't ha- you got to get out of the way before, you know, get out of handgun range as he said. Um, you know, you've got to chamber your round, you've got to, you know, if you've got to do all those steps versus carrying a concealed weapon with it loaded and ready to go. I mean, come on, you know. Absolutely. Come on. I mean, it's Absolutely. it's it, it make I'm not trying to detract from open carry. It has its place. But uh, you know, I I'd say you know, without fail, I, I you know, in North Carolina, we can carry, you know, openly. Uh, you don't have to have a permit or anything to do that. But, I you know, you're just asking for some trouble. I mean, there's there's some people, <clears throat> you go into a store. I mean, I've seen people w- wear guns into, like, grocery stores before. I don't know if they went to the range or if they just carry guns like that. I didn't think anything other, other than to think, wow, is that a SIG, you know, or something like that. But, you know, there are people, I imagine, that give them crazy looks or get worried about it. <clears throat> but the truth of it is, is that um, uh, here in North Carolina, a lot of people don't pay attention. You know, it's not that big a deal. They figure, well, if you've got it on your hip and you're walking around buying cereal with your kid in the cart, surely it's okay. I mean, you know, you're good to go. But, um, but you know, that's not the norm. That's just not the norm. And, I, and I'll uh, mention, if you'll recall, not too long ago. The the uh, I read in the news I forgot where it was where the guy was carrying um, I think he actually was carrying concealed and maybe you guys remember this I I don't quite remember all of it but he was carrying concealed I believe but he um, uh, was spotted the gun was spotted by another you know person in the store so they tackled him tackled him to the ground and, and you know he tried was to,
0: coming into Walmart
2: that's right. what it was yeah it, I knew it was right. a he store was in the atrium. They tackled the guy, and I mean, he was legally carrying I mean you know this guy assaulted him' is what it amounts to. I guess he had the best intentions, but th- based on ignorance, based on not knowing I mean you know so do you recall melody was it was he open carrying or concealed
0: well he well, he had stepped out of his vehicle and he was taking his gun from his center console of his vehicle and putting it in his holster on his body. Mm. So the person saw him do that, saw him take it out of his car and put it on his body, cover it with his, his jacket, and then walk into the store.
4: Hmm.
0: Now, having known that, it was kind of like, okay, how many people do you hear of where they go, they get the gun, they put it on their body, they conceal it, they walk in, they shoot their ex-wife or something like that. Right. you know? So you know, that is a little bit of an odd thing to see, but that doesn't mean you go and tackle someone.
2: No, no. And, um, you know, that is a, yet another reason to carry on your person in the car instead. That's of That's right. Doc, you know, that's uh, where yet, I was headed. right? Yet another reason to make sure that it's really carrying on your body. I mean, you know, uh, Paul, you're, you're the guy about that for sure. And, you know, we've talked about that before, obviously, but, uh, there's just more and more reasons every time I turn around and I'm guilty I'm guilty of doing it. I hadn't done it since we talked about it on the show that time, though. Yay. Yes, sir. I got that thing on me at all times. So anyway, because it is, it's, you know, it's more comfortable sometimes to take it out, put or, you know, put it somewhere where it's in the car still, especially if you're going to be driving a long distance or whatever. Right. Heck with that, man. Just find a better holster or better system or something that makes it comfortable and keep it on you.
1: And and so let's throw this out there, Doc. You know, there are times when if I'm heading from, say, Ohio to South Carolina and completely passing North Carolina, not even stopping to say hi to Doc, (laughs) I'm I'm cruising right on through, right? (laughs) If I get to my destination and I want to have my gun on, I'm going to go into a parking lot a mile away and I'm going to put that gun on my body, then go to my actual location. And climb out of the vehicle so that situation doesn't present itself. Now, it be. I'm going to be with you 100% and say that I carry in a way that's comfortable enough for me that I don't have to do that. But if I was in a situation where I chose to do that, that's how I would handle that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to be spotted in the parking lot and be thought of as the person that's going in to, to shoot up Walmart or wherever I'm headed. Right. Whether it's an armed oh. citizen, whether it's a police officer, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. The
0: thing that I think of is how many people that we hear of who shoot themselves in their car doing that exact same thing. Yeah. Taking yep. you know, that unnecessary administrative handling that they didn't have to do, but because they didn't have that holster system that allowed them to carry, they went from, oh, well, I don't want anyone to see it, so I'm going to try and sneak it under my coat here, and bang. They end up shooting themselves. Mm. That's That's the other thing that I think of.
2: Well, that makes a lot of sense because the more you handle it, yeah. The more opportunity you have yeah. to screw up. Yep. So, well, well said everybody. Well said everybody. Uh, let's go to the next one. Uh this is from Kyle and he's in uh, Sandy, Oregon. Yeah. Yay! So, we know Grant uh got him to write in. Yeah. Hello good to going. all, love the show and I listen every week. I'll try to keep this short. My question is geared more towards Paul and Grant but I appreciate everyone's input. Last year, I took a defensive handgun one class at Oregon Firearms Academy over here in Grant's Neck of the Woods. I thought it was a great class, and this was my sixth pistol class overall. Uh, However, they taught one technique I thought was fairly unusual. But being a good student, he decided, you know, he wanted to, you know, Think about this, I guess, basically, they teach while doing really reload that you keep your firing hand fully extended, tilting the gun slightly and coming back with your off hand for your fresh magazine and bringing it to the gun. I don't leave an empty gun at full extension and felt it very awkward getting it to the mag into getting the mag into the gun. What are your thoughts on this technique and also your stance on following directions as a student in class? Thanks. Keep up the great work. And again, that's Kyle in Sandy, Oregon. P.S. <clears throat> as a fellow Oregonian grant, kombucha is horrible.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 That was yes. not really their doc.
2: Just <clears throat> at I'll that. email it to you. Yeah. Right. P.S. Yeah, sure. Kombucha is horrible. Oh. Way to go there, Kyle. We oh, yeah. like it. Okay. Sorry, okay, All I'm right. not an instructor, so you instructors, that's the 3 of you guys. Well, All 2 of right. you guys and gal. Go for it. Thank you.
3: Let's uh, the, the the idea of leaving the gun at an extension as you reload and I'll will and be how how should I put this gently? It's silliness. There's no reason to do it. Bring the gun back where you have the greatest amount of strength, greatest amount of dexterity, so that you can reload it efficiently. Leaving the gun at extension really does nothing for you except tire you out and make it more difficult to insert the magazine when you're out there. And think about this. If you're doing anything, if you're putting batteries in your remote for your TV, the batteries are dead, you need to put new batteries in your remote, do you hold it at extension so that you can put the batteries in it? Uh, Do you do anything like that where you hold the thing at extension and put batteries in it? No. Why? We bring it in relatively close so that we're in a position where we've got the greatest amount of dexterity and control over whatever it is we're doing. Keep in mind that reloading a gun is a relatively dexterity-intensive task. And doing it in a position where you can do it most efficiently is the important thing. There may be – and I've never heard of an argument – as to why that's a good idea. And I've seen several people do this. I've seen several people espouse this, and nobody's ever been able to really articulate a good reason for it. So, no, I don't agree with that. I think it's silly. Bring the gun back in into the what is approximately a high-compressed ready position close to your chest with your elbows at your sides where you can work on the gun efficiently. And forget the tactical. We're going to leave it at extension and mess with it kind of stuff. Silly. Paul Co. <laughs> Thank you,
1: Grant. Um, I'll, I'll reiterate a little bit of what Grant said. There's this idea of proprioception. We know that our mind is telling our body what to do all the time, where our hands should move, etc. Don't ever forget that your hands and, and the rest of your body are saying, hey, I'm over here. I'm doing this. We know the location of our, our appendages. We know those locations better when they're closer into our body, when we have multiple index points. So if you imagine bringing that gun, as opposed to being at full extension, bringing it in close where your elbow is at your side, your forearm is against your chest, your hand is against uh, the the center of your chest. We now have a bunch of reference points where our body is saying, hey, it's right here. That means we probably don't need to use our eyes. We, we probably can reload much easier because we have all these reference points. Great. That again reiterates what it is that Grant said. It's called proprioception and it's important. If we also think about it from the standpoint of what everybody else around us is seeing, this becomes important as well. If we have that gun at full extension, if you think about the arc of area that people can see that firearm at, it's very wide. Only the people that are absolutely directly behind you, 180 degrees from the gun, won't be able to see the gun. Everybody else all the way around can see the gun. When people hear shots being fired and then they see a gun, they know that you're the shooter. I don't want people to know that I have just pressed the trigger in this situation. That could lead to confusion. We just talked about the idea of putting a gun in my waistband from the car and walking into a Walmart caused confusion for somebody. I don't want people to think, holy cow, that guy just shot that guy. Maybe the guy that I just shot needed to be shot. I'd like that gun to be in nice and close so that people, number one, have a harder time seeing the firearm, and should they try and take it from me, whether they're a good guy or a bad guy, it's going to be more difficult for them to do that. Again, strength and dexterity in here at the chest, that's really
3: important. Mm. Part of that sight Uh, that sight plane issue works the opposite way, too. Because keep in mind, if your gun's at extension, half of your vision is basically obscured, everything from the level of the gun on down. So now, not only have you put your gun out there where it's not as efficient to work on it, because, keep in mind, you're replacing parts on the gun. It's what you're doing. So not only is it out there in a place where it's less efficient to work on it, but now you've also eliminated your ability to essentially see everything below the level of that gun. So you really can't tell if the guy you've just shot is on the ground and reaching for another gun. You can't see his accomplice who hid, who ducked down behind the ice cream display. All of these things happen. You simply are not as aware of what's going on in in your surroundings in what has already been a traumatic incident. So keeping the gun out there means that you simply can't see as much of what's going on.
2: Hmm, good points, Melody. Well, yeah,
0: yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna reference the, the second half of his question where he he asked about the stance of following instructions as a student um, because Paul and Grant have already taken care of the.
3: <laughs> we were we were saving that for that you.
0: Uh, that is I have always tried everything that every instructor has ever told me to do. Because even if I'm like that is not going to work. Nope, no way. Even if it's just to be able to articulate why it didn't work. Because you can think that's not going to work or that's not a good idea, but if you don't try it, then most people are like, well then how do you know that won't work? Well, I just knew. But if you've done it, and then you, even in his email, he said that it it wasn't, you know, he he found it more difficult to reload the firearm. Then he can articulate that later on when he chooses to do another method. So I think that's a really important part of the learning process. He's already taken what do you say, six classes, six handgun classes. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I know some people do, kind of say, well, well, you know, then aren't you just training the wrong way? There is the risk of that, especially if you're new and having conflicting, I guess, ideals coming. But the other thing, too, is are you really going to stand there and take the time of everyone else in the class by debating the issue on something they're probably not going to change their mind on right there? It's a little bit faster to just go ahead and do what they say. And or what can also happen, too, is you do what they say, you start having problems with it, then they have to explain why. Most good instructors that I have been with will never try and take away something that you do very well. So if you do rocking magazine changes from compressed and they are trying to get you to do something different, you try it once or twice and you just say, nope, this is not going to work for me. A good instructor will say, well, then do it, you know, do it your way. That's fine. As long as, as, long as it's not unsafe or, you know, detrimental, they'll be fine with it. But if they're being particular about you have to do it their way, I would insist on an explanation why. Why, you know, why you have to do it your way? Why is your way superior to my way? Sometimes they have a good reason. In this case, I don't think they would. I think Hmm. they would just kind of be like, well, you know, and I don't know.
2: Well, I was going to ask, and I'm glad you brought it up there at the end to finalize the uh, discussion on the email because you know he, he did mention of course the you know how do you feel about being a student in class what do you, in essence what do you do when that comes across and you disagree with it and that answers that but i mean <clears throat> and if they do press and say no no you need to do it this way i mean what do you do walk out i mean i
0: was gonna say you are you always have the option of walking out
4: yeah.
2: and,
0: you know you could you could roll your eyes and keep going the class and take what's good and leave the rest including that bad technique but, you know, and one of the things I I've loved doing is the local classes around here, I go and I audit them and I offer my services. I don't say anything. I just offer myself my services as a range officer. I if they say to do something, I do everything that they tell me to do. I go home. I take what I need to. I leave the rest and a lot of it's bad, but some of it's good. And but I'm in a place where I can do that because I have confidence in my firearms handling, in my skill, that kind of thing. Someone who's new and doesn't know may not know what they should keep versus what they should throw away. Mm. And in which case, I would definitely get in contact with someone who you trust, like Grant and Paul, um, and say, hey, why is this? Why is this working? Why is this not working? This felt odd to me. I tried it and I didn't like it. Is this valid or is this not?
2: Mm-hmm. And, and you bring up a good point because I was sitting there thinking, you know, uh, he knows or, or emailer knows that, you know, he's in, in class. He he doesn't. This is odd to him. Um, so if it's almost like I, I, if you look around and maybe some of the other people have not had classes before and they think that this is the right way because the instructor is telling them uh, it. it would you feel almost a, um, I guess, a sense of uh, duty to say, hey, you know, speak up and just kind of throw that into the minds of the people that, that are there in the class with you that it might not be the proper way?
1: You know, Doc, I, I've been the guy that's walked out of class, yeah, but it's always been after I've been asked to leave. When, <laughs> when we're talking about something like personal protection, self-defense, I mean, literally the information that's being put out there. Uh, you know, the, the customer's lives hang in the balance potentially with every piece of information that's there. And so I, I feel exactly, as you say, there is a duty yeah. to let people know that you disagree. Uh, I work to do it very respectfully. And, and so the fact that I say that I've walked out of class after I've been asked to leave that, you know, for some people that may say something about me and, and you may think I'm the, the, uh, <laughs> the Richard that gets you know kicked out of class. Or it may say something about the instructor that they're not open to having that open dialogue about what it is that's happening. And that's one of the things that I really value as an instructor. It's one of the reasons why I host Grant Cunningham is because I know that if I call Grant out on something on the range – that I disagree with. We're actually going to have a conversation about it.
2: Yeah. And then of course, Grant will be wrong, but <laughs> well, that's course. the most, my rage. Of part.
1: course, Grant's going to be wrong. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah, of course.
2: You, yeah, you know, you share some kombucha and kiss and make right. up. Exactly. In fact, Question. I tell my, oh. I, I <laughs> tell my students that
3: anytime, and, and this goes for me or any other, or Paul or any other instructor on the face of this earth is that any instructor who is worthy of the name will accept the challenge to his or her material and explain it. The challenge might be simply because the the instructor didn't explain it thoroughly Mm -hmm. or didn't explain it cogently so that you could understand it. It may be that the technique or concept is flawed on its face and they have no argument, or it could be, not even that deep. It could be simply, well, this is the way we've always done it. And I encourage my students to challenge the material. Uh, always, of course, respect the instructor, respect the person. That's important, and I think right. that's important Absolutely. in any interpersonal relationship. Respect the person, but challenge the material. And this goes for, for me or, or Paul or Jeff Cooper. Respect mm-hmm. the man, challenge the material. And and, and 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 expect answers. The other part of it, you have to expect answers and answers that are logical and coherent. Not, well, this is the way we've always done it, or this is the way SEAL Team Six does it. Those <laughs> are th- those are non-answers, right? And
0: one of the best ways to, just like you said, you have a duty to kind of talk, or bring up the t- topic for the other students in the class too. The best way to do that is with questions. Just. I've seen it done other ways. Why do you do it this way versus that way? It's non-judgmental. You aren't challenging their masculinity or whatever. You're just asking to compare, uh, and that puts the seed in the other. There you go. That's the word I
2: was looking for. The seed. Uh, Yeah.
0: Well, you know what? There's other ways to do this. Wow. And that way, if they have the discussion or if they just say, well, this is just the way that we've done it, a lot of times those other people will come to you and say, okay, how have you seen it done other places? Because it felt odd to me. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can kind of be that quiet little ambassador that someone else comes to and says, you know, hey, tell me why that was done the way that it was done when you were talking about it. So, that's that's one of the best ways I've found to be non-confrontational, mm-hmm. but at the same time bring up a much-needed issue to
2: discuss. Very good. And, I mean, for me, not being an instructor, not even close to it. You know, I'll take a class, which I have taken classes, obviously. And the thing about it is, though, you know, and I, I, I study this stuff all the time just like you guys do. And, you know, I see something and I'm like, well, that's – no. <laughs> And, you know, I don't want to say, pff, pff, you know, God, come on. But but I, in my heart, I'm like, wait a minute. These people may not know any better. And I think I need to, as you said, Melody, perfectly, put a seed in there. Just get them thinking a little bit. Let them come to their own conclusion to challenge what's been said. And, and just ask the question. That's how – I've never had to do that, but uh, that's how I, fi- I think I would. I'd say, well, you know, I've not seen it done that way. I've always – read been taught to do you know just curious as to what your reasons were so you guys that's perfect explanation it couldn't have been a better explanation of it um very good we appreciate those emails let's get to a voicemail and this will be a nice segue into our topic uh here we go
5: hey doc and guys i love y'all's show um i had a question for you guys i got i carry a CZ p1 nine millimeter and i love it but I just recently got a Smith & Wesson 686. Mainly you ranting about it and loving it. (laughs) And I was wondering, is it possible to carry a six inch 686, would you think, in a shoulder holster, maybe? Or maybe even in a belt holster. I live in Texas and it is warm sometimes of the year. But man, I just love the gun. Would love to carry it. So any advice would be appreciated. And if you could add some holster recommendations, that would be appreciated too. And if your recommendation is not to carry a six inch 686 357, well, that's fine too. But I would also love to hear a holster recommendation for it if I was not carrying it concealed, say as if I was in Colorado hiking in the mountains. Appreciate it guys. Thanks.
2: Okay, so, you know, I'll have I'll I'll say this, and I've carried large frame long barrel revolvers before and concealed them. So the answer, yeah, you can, of course. It's hard to do that in the summer. <laughs> Unless you're planning on wearing a heavy coat or a coat that drapes mm-hmm. in the summer like that, but and and I did it in the winter, but primarily it was due to the fact that I was actually going hunting uh later on and i thought well i could carry this gun and that gun i just i just you know carried the 629 it's got the six inch and uh um you know so the way i did it was because i was carrying you know under a coat basically i just i have a um uh bianchi i guess it's the x15 which is a shoulder holster it's a vertical shoulder holster not because you know you see the horizontal ones and they're You know, really, a six-inch barrel is going to kind of be (laughs) a mess. I mean, you're going to see the barrel poking out at the gun. Plus, you don't realize you're muzzling everybody that's standing behind you at the same time. But, uh, again, that holster I use a lot to go in the woods with, though. That wasn't really the reason I purchased the shoulder holster. I don't really like shoulder holsters. But I'll have to say, if I've got a a, a rifle and I'm hunting and I want to take a handgun with me or I'm handgun hunting – and you know, maybe climbing up the uh, uh, into the tree stand or whatnot. You know, it's 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 easier for me to put it, and it's more comfortable on the under the you know the arm like that. But uh, you know, six inch barrel in a uh, <clears throat> in a, in the waistband holster, <laughs> not going to be so comfortable. I don't think I'd be sitting down either. Have um, you got some real loose pants, and you don't mind standing up the whole time? Yeah, you could still do it. The draw is going to be funny because you're going to be like pulling it up to your armpit basically to get it out. But, uh, um, well, you know, like I said, I've done it before. And, but again, I don't intentionally go out to do it. So my thought is if you're going to carry that and you do it, you're going to realize very short order that you don't feel like doing that again. <laughs> but but anyway, Grant, I know you hunt and what's your thoughts there? Well, Doc actually actually pretty much got
3: it right. The, uh, it, it, yeah, you can conceal carry a six-inch revolver, but it's more along the lines of a circus trick than it is anything really practical. Again, in the waistband, holsters are out. It, basically, belt holsters for concealment are going to be out unless you're wearing a duster.
2: All the time, yes, a duster.
3: The uh, the only way to realistically carry one and conceal one is the vertical shoulder holster, and I'm I'm glad Doc mentioned the X15 because I was kind of I was trying to remember the model number. I thought it was X23, but the X15 is is realistically about the only practical way yep. to carry one and conceal it. And even then, realistically, you're looking at a suit coat at the minimum mm-hmm. to to do so, and a well and a properly. Fitted suit coat is that you're not going to carry that underneath a a waist high jacket or a waist length jacket. It just is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. The best use if, if you really want to conceal a a revolver, sell it and buy a four inch. That's <laughs> that, that's really the, the that two inches best does make it makes a huge it makes difference. a huge
2: difference. Yes, it does. Yes, now,
3: it does. if you want to carry it while you're in outdoor activities, again, the if you're out hunting or something, the X15 makes a good choice. And in fact, I know a lot of people who carry their guns in just that way, particularly if they're handgun hunting. I know people that carry six-inch guns that way. Mm-hmm. I think e- even eight-inch guns. If you're doing something where you already have something on your shoulders, let's say you're you're backpacking, the X-15 just is not going to work because the, the straps get in the way of the, the shoulder straps of the backpack. In those cases, what I've seen work is a cross-draw belt holster worn Towards the front of the body, cross-draw, so it's almost like cross-draw appendix. And that actually works really well, particularly with with the long-barreled scoped revolvers. And there are a number of makers of those holsters, if you were to... Google hunting holster, 8-inch revolver, you probably find several of them because it is a fairly popular way to carry a revolver. The final way that you can do it if you, again, are carrying a backpack and want to, to use the gun is that you can carry it in a chest rig, which, is, which basically puts the yes. gun over your sternum at about a 45-degree angle, muzzle down, and those don't
2: interfere with backpack shoulder straps all that much and that's another alternative very good point the the um the shoulder rig i mean the shoulder rig the chest rig there's as a matter of fact i and and again the x fifteen is is was i guess historically what i would carry uh but i also have <clears throat> systems <clears throat> i actually bought something from uh simply rugged and they make they they've got some really really nice um if you don't mind spending a little bit of money. Uh, you're going to get a pretty decent pro- a product, I think. But it's <clears throat> they have uh, certain types of holsters, like they have a sourdough pancake-type holster. It's got the three slots, you know, where you can wear it on the belt, um, a cross-draw or also, uh, you know, straight vertical, maybe with a little cant to it. And then <clears throat> he, they also make a what's called a chesty puller um, harness rig that goes around, you know, up over your shoulder and down across the front of your chest that actually attaches you know one of their holsters to it and it's very comfortable to get that in the center of your chest you can carry extremely heavy uh revolver that way um i do my six inch six uh 29 that way that's how i carry it most of the time when i go out in the woods and it it also does not get in your way of like uh you know if you're you're shouldering your uh, your rifle. If you, if you've got a system where you're carrying a hand, you know, the revolver and the rifle at the same time. So, uh, but yes, grant that's, I didn't think about the, uh, the cross draw like that. That's a, that's a good point too. But, um, well, we're glad you like your 686 though. I, I've got, I've got old big Jack sitting right here on, at my feet now, as a matter of fact, down there, but mine's the two and a half inch barrel. So <laughs> I can put it in, a, I can put it in a, uh, in the waistband holster. Uh, so, um, Thanks for writing in uh, and thanks for the emails and voicemails and all the feedback that we get from you guys. Uh, this particular voicemail uh, brought up a good point, which is, you know, basically conceal carrying, you know, and what what's what's good? What's some good recommendations as far as carry goes? Carrying big guns, small guns. I mean, uh, you know, we're getting ready to go into the warmer season, and unless you're um, living up there where Paul is, and uh, <laughs> you know, wh- what are some of the ways we carry? Um, what's what's a good, I guess, overall uh, way to carry? What are some clothing considerations? We've got Melody here, and it's uh, it's going to be a little different for the ladies, I think, uh, than than the guys. We see that a lot more very often. I feel like she's uh, pretty much uh, can be an ex called an expert in that. <laughs> Um, but, um, you know, going into the summer season versus the winter, you know, you've got coats in the winter time. It makes it easier. What are, what are some of the considerations that, that you guys think about or what you would have? I mean, like I'll I'll give you for me, do you switch guns? For instance, I know I hear a lot of times people say, well, you know, I carry this gun in the summer because it's smaller and easier to conceal. But I carry this gun in the winter time because, well, let's face it, it's heavier. It's got a longer barrel. I shoot it better, uh, but I'm, you know, able to conceal that one easily because I have a big coat that I wear, or a coat, or jacket, or whatever. But in the summertime, you know, it's it, it becomes different at that point because you know maybe you're just wearing a short sleeve shirt with you know your your jeans or you know uh, trousers or whatever. <clears throat> what kind of considerations i guess let's let's start with you, grant the do you have we'll get to melody last because that's going to be you know we're going to talk a little bit more about the female aspect of it too the women yeah the the ladies, the ladies. but uh, grant what do you i mean do you recommend people you know hey if you shoot that better have it in the winter time but if you know you can't conceal it going into the summer get a smaller gun or
3: well and i'm i'm glad that that Melody's going to last because that's going to be a, a long discussion. Sometimes I feel really uh, guilty because men can get away with so much stuff that women can't. We, uh, we, if you think about men's wardrobes, you know, our wardrobes really don't change that much, nothing, nothing really changes. And we can get away with a lot of stuff that women can't. Still, however, we do have our limits. And the one thing that you'll probably hear quite a bit when people talk about this, is the idea of dressing around the gun. And I think that's probably one of the most dangerously disastrous terms or phrases that we use in the defensive shooting world. Because ultimately, if we all dressed around the gun, we would all walk around with these silly concealment vests hanging down to our knees so that we could conceal... You know, the biggest possible guns with lots and lots of magazines and that sort of thing. We don't dress around the guns. The gun I'm has a photographer. to photographer. F- it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm a photographer. Yeah, right. When uh, funny story about that. Back in the days when I was actually a, a photographer and actually ran a chain of uh, camera stores that sold professional camera gear, mm-hmm. we had photographers' vests on the on the rack, and no photographers ever bought them. It was kind of funny. But <laughs> uh, so uh, the, the thing is, the gun has to fit into in it has to blend into your environment and your lifestyle. And so it becomes a question of how am I going to make this gun or the largest gun that I can carry comfortably fit into my lifestyle. And that means sometimes during the summer that your choice of gun is, may change. And that's important to understand. And, for instance, for me, when I'm around the house, which I am because I work from home, I'm fairly lucky in that. I can basically just carry out in the open and, and nobody really cares because I live out in the middle of nowhere. But when I go to town and I have to dress a little more, shall we say? Non-Little that, Abner. Thank you, Doc.
2: I appreciate that image.
3: That's Doc Weston,
2: Gun Nation, Doc. Of course, Paul and Melody don't know who Little Abner is. Yeah, probably I want knew to know.
4: that one,
3: actually. <laughs>
2: I'll so, it.
3: Oh, oh, awesome. So when I need to look presentable, of course, then my my gun choice may in, in fact change. If you live and work in an environment where, for instance, you can walk around with your shirt untucked, then how you carry the gun and what you can carry is going to be a little different than if you need to – look a little more upmarket and need to have your shirt tucked in all the time. So, yes, I changed during the – between this, the summer and the winter. Now, luckily, summers in Oregon generally until it hits about July aren't too terribly bad, so I can still conceal the same gun that I do in the, in the winter. But when it gets really hot and everybody starts dressing in shorts and T-shirts, then I change what I carry a little bit. And I'll go to sometimes a smaller gun or a more rounded gun that fits under the lighter weight fabrics that I have to wear to look and blend in with everybody else. In fact, if anybody didn't read it yet, but Melody had a great article on her blog coming out of her experience in Hollywood about blending in. And if I have to blend in, well, that's going to dictate to a certain degree what I can do with a gun. And so, yeah, I, I will certainly change guns. And, and I might change a little bit how I carry. Now, in general, I always carry on the strong side. Uh, Appendix carry just isn't really comfortable for me. It doesn't work well for me. So I usually carry in a belt holster on the strong side, usually in the waistband. There are times during the summer where I can't have an untucked shirt or something to cover that in the waistband holster, and I'm pretty much forced to go to something more conceivable, and that usually ends up being a pocket holster. And that's another, if if you're wearing shorts and a tucked-in polo shirt at a barbecue where untucked shirts would make you you stand out and look slovenly, guess what? You have to fit your, your gun into that wardrobe. And for me, that very often becomes a pocket holster. So you have to think in terms of how am I going to blend in? How am I going to look like everybody else? How am I not going to stick out like a sore thumb and look like the crazy gun guy? And then work whatever gun and whatever carrying method into that. And the the more, shall we say, genteel your environment, the more you're going to have to think about that.
2: Very good. Paul, you have uh, some suggestions, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, um, I always – preface what it is that I say about concealed carry to my students and to those that I talk to based on the fact that, you know, I'm self-employed. I own a firearms training company. I can dress however the heck I want to dress whenever I want to dress that way. And certainly I want to try and fit in. Um, however, uh, you know, an untucked shirt for me and in, in my generation um, is a little bit more fitting than for some other folks. And, and maybe Grant doesn't feel as comfortable with that. So, i don 't feel the need to change firearms between summer and winter. I pretty much carry the same guns all the time. Um, I typically carry my Glock quote eighteen unquote, which is a Glock seventeen cut down to a nineteen grip length. I carry an appendix and I carry almost always with an untucked shirt and it doesn 't really matter whether that untucked shirt is a long sleeve shirt uh, a a button up shirt, a polo shirt, or just a plain t shirt it pretty much conceals for me just about the same in any of those, those, uh, form factors and, and it works just fine for me. There are times when, uh, you know, let's say I'm heading to the beach or I'm going to be doing something a little bit more athletic. I'm in a pair of shorts and don't want to have a gun on my waist where I simply carry my secondary gun as the primary. So I'm carrying a, a 442 revolver in the front left pocket, which is where I always carry my revolver. And so I may drop the primary and and go to the secondary gun only, but that's primarily out of convenience, um, not necessity. But folks have to understand that, you know, there are lots of things in your life that may dictate how it is that you can conceal a firearm and your wardrobe and where it is you're at and what it is you do make a huge difference in that. And so you have to keep that in, con- in consideration. Uh, I'm carrying basically a full-size gun, but if you need to be in a, uh, a button-up shirt or a polo shirt that's tucked in all the time, you may not be able to carry a full-size double-stack gun. Maybe a single-stack is going to be better for you. Maybe a gun with a shorter grip where your pinky hangs off is going to be a better gun for you. You'll have to look at the totality of the circumstances. Where you carry on the body can make a big difference. Mm-hmm. It's really a, a short-changing statement to say that you dress around the gun. And Grant already brought that up. I'll reiterate it: the idea that you can simply choose your clothing based on the gun you want to carry. Life just doesn't work that way.
2: Yeah, and I think um, what you'll find out is once you, if you're new to concealed carry or new to you know uh, joining into the Second Amendment movement, and and are you know willing to take the step to exercise your rights. Uh, and to protect yourself, your loved ones, it, you know, it's going to end up, you're going to have one gun, you're going to think it's going to do everything. And guess what? <laughs> it doesn't do For everything most folks, you want. it
1: doesn't. That's yeah, right. Yeah, you're
2: going to end up purchasing probably another one and then another one. And then the sickness kicks in. <laughs> Just like Lyme disease, <laughs> you've got it, you've got it, and you end up with, you know, I don't know, three, four safes, <laughs> you know. So, um, but uh, I think that's the case. But, you know, a lot of times I hear, and and, and like like Grant and and you have put, Paul, as far as dressing for the gun, I think when I hear that, it's always attached to, like, someone that says, well, it's better to have the firearm that you're used to that you carry all the time because you're you're used to that, uh, you're used to how it fires, uh, you're used to, you know, as you practice with it, your report, recoil, Um, you know, if it has a thumb safety on it, (laughs) but, but you know what I'm saying? Uh, It's, it's in other words, um, you know, the gun better, you know,
1: and, and and if you can make that happen, that's awesome. That's mm -hmm. great. But I'm sure as we're going to hear from melody in, in, you know, a few moments, you know, it's different for men and women. You know, I can wear a pair of pants with belt loops and a inch and a half belt all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Yet we heard Melody talk about the idea that she was wearing a skirt and a blazer in Hollywood. Well, I don't ever have to wear a skirt. I, I could choose to, <laughs> but I don't.
2: Um, Paul, you'd let you, you know. You, look good in a skirt. Paul, hey, I, I, I vote no on that one. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll vote no there.
0: <laughs> Eye holsters are wonderful, Paul. You just love them.
4: Uh,
2: yeah, they chafe a little, <laughs> but you know, just put a little bit of of the uh, Hoppy's uh, oil, gun oil on it, and you'll be just fine. Paul, don't you have some Scottish
3: heritage there? Oh, the
1: cult. I, I don't, <laughs> think think don't think so. I mean, today I'm Irish, but I mean, oh, like, well. who isn't? Yes. well,
2: except me, I don't claim the Irish. But no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Melody, why don't you? Uh, go ahead. Cause oh, I know this is, and you mentioned a thigh holster, for instance. Wow. You, you guys, yeah. you've got some considerations big time here. So.
0: Well, let's, let's just start with, I have carried, I've been carrying a gun now legally for nine years and I, uh, I have gone through, I believe nine different carry guns. <laughs> uh, my drawer of holsters is, amazing. Right.
2: And- <laughs> it's not a sock drawer.
0: <laughs> no, it is it's not. a, a whole sock And drawer. it is not a small box either. It, it takes up a dresser. Um, in addition to that, I've gone through three pregnancies. So you want to talk about not being able to dress around the gun and, and life dictating how you carry. Pregnancy is a great example of that. Um, I started out carrying. I was working in an office environment. So it was all very business Uh, you know business and let me tell you trying to find a pair of business slacks for females that have belt loops or belt loops that are large enough for an actual gun belt is pretty much impossible uh much less um much less skirts and things like that yoga pants forget it and uh P- pockets you know i am supremely jealous of men and their pockets the ability to pocket holster a a firearm has never been an a, an option for me at all because our pockets are just too small So when you consider all of those things together, you're right. We are very kind of limited uh, in that we don't have the ability to do the same outfit every single day. I guess some of us do if you work in a certain environment. I mean, if you're a ranch hand and you you go out and yeah, you can wear jeans and a t-shirt all the time. But if you're working in an office environment, you're expected to dress differently from day to day if you're a female. You really are. But we do have some flexibility in that we can wear a little, a little more flowy of garments if that makes sense. So you have a little bit of flexibility in the type of garments that you wear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, one day you can have a really nice flowing shirt on that would conceal something very nicely, and switch that up a little bit. So you do have some um, flexibility there bra holsters and i'm going to limit this very specifically to the flashbang holster is a great invention because it has given the ability to at least put a body or i'm sorry a gun on your body in almost any outfit except a bikini <laughs> really they're not <laughs> perfect they have their drawbacks they do require some some a little extra training, some time to get used to them, but at least you have a a gun on your body. Access is one of my big things when it comes to holsters and, and carrying and concealment because what a lot of women do is because we have those difficulties in finding that concealed carry perfect system is we hide it really, really well, but in such a way that it's almost completely inaccessible. So that finding that balance between, okay, it's hidden, but yet accessible can be one of the hardest parts about finding it. Um, you know, finding that system for a female. The other thing is as far as like the winter gun versus summer gun kind of thing, not, I haven't really ever seen that be an issue for a woman, a a woman, because we are trying so hard all the time to find that perfect gun (laughs) that just conceals. Well, um, it's, uh, we usually end up with smaller guns. Perfect case in point. Uh, when I first started carrying a gun, I was carrying, like I said, I was working in a, a, an office environment. I was carrying a three inch 1911 in 40, 40 Smith and Wesson, And I was having some difficulties. I mean, first of all, I was new to carry in general. So I was having some difficulties. I was buying really crappy holsters, having some difficulties concealing it, I ended up leaving it at home a lot and then started carrying a Bursa Thunder 380. So found it a lot lighter, a lot easier to conceal, and it wasn't so heavy and cumbersome. So after I left that job and actually started working at a gun store, even though we worked at the gun store, we were still supposed to conceal our guns, but I could wear jeans there. So I started I went back to the 1911 and was carrying a 4-inch 1911 pretty consistently while I worked there in an IWB holster behind the hip. I did that for many years until I had my first child. Won't talk about pregnancy, that's a totally different you know problem. But after I had my first child, I realized that this all the baby gear that I needed to carry and have with me just made that heavy gun that much less appealing and I wasn't controlling it very well one-handed so I went from that to a Glock 19 and there were some other guns kind of thrown in there that I tried out very briefly but these are the big ones that Glock 19 stayed with me summer winter everything until just this year so that was six years of carrying just a Glock 19 on my little tiny person And that was primarily behind the hip. I wanted to do appendix. It just looked like a tumor on me. (laughs) But being able to have it behind the hip, I was able to conceal that very well. One of the ways that I did that was just with nice flowy cover garments, you know, a very nice shirt. Um, Recently, vests were a really big thing for females. And I'm not talking like your, your, you know, 5'11 tactical vests either. I'm talking about you know, beautiful knitted vests that were long, kind of hung down. So they were pretty. You could have a long sleeve, kind of graphic t-shirt or something underneath of them and have this pretty vest over top and not look like you were trying to hide something. So I did a lot of that. Uh, When I switched to appendix carry, uh, my life got so much easier (laughs) because one of the biggest problems with behind the hip carry was every time I bent down to tie a pair of shoes or was getting in and out of cars, my my cover garment would ride up a little bit. So you know how they always say one of the bad things about carry is people touching their guns all the time? I was never touching my gun. I was always touching my cover garment, though, trying to make sure that it was still down, pulling it down, pulling it down. And switching to appendix carry just completely eliminated that problem for me. So... Appendix carry has been the great thing. I have been able to wear almost anything I want to wear. Appendix carry, um, even some of the things that I didn't think I could wear before because I just couldn't conceal or I didn't have a cover garment to put over top, I've been able to put on and and conceal very well. I had to go down to a smaller gun. I had to go to the Smith & Wesson um, shield versus the 19 and I was loath to give up my 16 rounds of nine millimeter for seven, but at least I can conceal it more consistently and not have to worry about that cover garment issue. Now going back to my trip out to Hollywood, I was in a business t- attire again. And because I knew they wanted me to demo my how I carried, I went ahead and used a clip-on holster that was from Luber Law Enforcement and It's one of those holsters where you can use a belt with it. It's probably better to use a belt with it, but you don't have to use a belt with it. So again, my skirt did not have belt loops on it, so I just had to slip that in the waistband. I did have a thigh holster with me just in case that wouldn't work out, and I'm like, well, the world's going to see my thigh, (laughs) but I didn't end up having to need that, and then having the... um, My shirt on over top and then the blazer over top, it was completely concealed. The problem, again, was being accessed. I would have had to, if I needed a real gun, get my blazer out of the way, move my shirt, and then draw my gun. So it would be kind of like a three-step access instead of just drawing the gun. So those are things to consider. In fact, if I had just been carrying a gun in that outfit, I probably would have gone with the thigh holster or the flashbang holster, because to limit those steps to get to the gun. So that's something to really think about when you're a female. Yeah, you might be able to conceal it there, but how much time is it going to take to get to it? And might you be better doing something different?
2: Yeah, and I I wanted to um, mention two things. Uh, One of them is... um, Don't pass up – people think that, you know, in summertime, I guess especially, that they have to go to the shorter barrel gun. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, you can carry actually quite comfortably, uh, say, the uh, 4-inch semi-automatic with a 4-inch barrel. And really, with that, don't pass up the abbreviated grips, the grips that are – you know, the smaller grips. I guess they call them compact grips because – as you'll read and find from the experts, and I found this myself, um, you know, the grip really is what kind of is going to show, I think. Especially if you've got your shirt draped over, um, a shorter grip usually hides a little bit better, I think. And, uh, of course, mm-hmm. nowadays, you know, you, you can get those uh, – <clears throat> most firearm manufacturers uh, will offer the one with the shorter grip with the service-size type, you know, barrel – or, or a long a little bit longer barrel than a subcompact type barrel, and uh, but also offer the uh, extended magazine, you know the the full service size magazine uh, with those little sleeves. And some people shoot them without the sleeves, you know, on there. Uh, Paul, it sounded like you were going to mention something. Or Grant one,
1: well, yeah, you know the the uh, XDS four point yeah. is really the the big gun that's out on the market that's really doing that very well. Um, Springfield has recognized the idea that a longer barrel is irrelevant to concealment until it becomes uncomfortable to carry because it's too long. Right. uh, Because it's hidden inside the pants. Now, again – there may be situations for the female where that's different because you're looking at a flashbang holster, you're looking at a, a thigh holster, those kinds of things. I'm not sure how short the skirts are you're wearing, but you know the barrel length may make a difference. <laughs> but uh, when we think about that for in the waistband carry, a longer barrel is actually advantageous because it helps to balance out uh, the the weight that's in the grip in the bullets that are there, mm-hmm. and that's exactly why I carry. a a Glock 17 cut down to a 19 grip length as opposed to just a 19. It's more comfortable because the gun spreads out the weight of the bullets over a longer uh, section of my, of my abdomen. And it's just more comfortable for me. So there are all kinds of ways that that can be achieved. And and I hope that manufacturers continue to look at that. Springfield is the one that seems to be paying attention to it the most. And I hope more manufacturers, why in the world Glock is an offering You know, the Glock 42 in a, in a four inch barrel. Mm -hmm. Don't know the three eighty could really use the help of the longer barrel in the waistband. Carry would be more comfortable. Same with the Smith and Wesson shield. Mm -hmm. Why not have that longer barrel length? So I agree with that doc. Yeah. And
0: well, and you're right though, that what you said about length does start to matter when it comes to women because of those specific issues. And even I'm thinking appendix carry wise, um, I just have a much smaller, more compact appendix-ish area. That pelvic region is much smaller. Um, a shield on my husband, the the barrel doesn't even touch his thigh. Right. Literally, with my with my shield in the appendix position, the tip of the barrel is halfway down my thigh. Any longer, and it would start to show on the other side. I mean, that's sure. how that's how small I am. So. It would be, um, it wouldn't be a problem if you were carrying like behind the hip or something. The other thing to think of too is the length of barrel for a woman. If we've got shorter torsos, longer barrels, if you've got in the waistband holster or even an OWB that uh, is high on the waist, you have to pull your hand almost up to your armpit before yeah. your muzzle clears the holster and mm-hmm. it becomes very hard to draw. So I can see like the, the need or the the benefits of longer barrels, but those shorter barrels are really nice for us little people.
1: Yeah, and I and I also think, Melody, it's really important to mention that the fact that the waistline on the pants that you wear makes a huge difference as well. Oh, absolutely And so when you've got a, a pair of pants that has a low waistline, which is very common in fashion today, both for, for especially women, but also for men, mm-hmm. um that's gonna change how comfortable that barrel length is going to be now if it's you're carrying untucked high too. absolutely yes it can be too high so that you can't have access and and on a woman especially that changes the curves and where the the oh, yeah. gun is pointed and all those kinds of things there's there are so many variables and and really the biggest tip that i give to folks that really helps them is find a clothing store where you can go and you have a conversation with the manager hi my name's paul i wanted to talk with you today because i'd like to shop at your store but i have a complication you see, I carry a firearm, and then I answer all the questions about being a CIA agent, or am I a cop, or all those <laughs> kinds of things. No, 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 I'm just an average guy. I mean, other than being on the Gun Nation, yeah. Well, That's right. I'm just an average guy. I do know Doc Wesson. Yes. What I need to know from you, sir, is: Is it okay that I bring my firearm to your store? Find a place where you're comfortable and your staff is comfortable with me trying on some clothes, um, having some measurements taken having some alterations made so that I can find garments that work well with me concealing the firearm that I need to conceal. And that makes a huge difference, Mm -hmm. huge difference.
3: In fact, back in the days when I was wearing expensive tailored suits, one of the things that I did, and this is particularly important if you're uh, a man listening and have to carry in a suit, which believe it or not, brings up more problems than it actually solves. But one of the things that was very important was finding a tailor who not only wasn't sort of scared off by the gun, but who also had experience in tailoring clothes specifically to hide a gun. And the two don't always go together. I did run into some some clothing stores that were okay with me trying on clothing with a gun on, but when it came to the alterations, they really didn't understand what had to happen to, to hide the gun. Luckily, I found one place and they were able to tailor a bunch of different suits for me. The the fellow, the co-owner of the shop was a concealed carrier himself. And, and their tailor understood what was necessary to hide a gun and still make it look fashionable and all that sort of thing. So it's really important to find a clothing store that you can work with. And if you're actually having tailoring done, to find somebody who actually understands that whole cutting and draping to, to hide the gun thing. Luckily, well, most of us don't have to do that.
0: Yeah. And another thing that, uh, for women that you can do, if you don't want to go through the whole issue of having things tailored is get yourself a dummy gun and take it shopping with you. If you're, if you don't want to be fumbling around with your real gun or you're not feeling comfortable about that and just try it in the dressing room, you know, that put your arms up, spin around, take a trusted friend with you. Hey, You know, am I printing? Can you see my gun? That can go a long way to seeing what works for you for concealed carry.
3: In fact, that's a really good point. If you're doing this, take a dummy gun. We talked earlier about the idea of minimizing administrative handling. When you're trying on clothes, there's a lot of administrative handling that goes on. So the dummy Mm -hmm. gun is a really good idea. And I don't
1: agree with the idea of smart
3: guns. I think that's a bad move. Thank you, Paul. Paul Carlson, (laughs) you'll be here all week, folks.
2: (laughs) But um, I'm... yeah, but
4: what what what?
2: Well, uh, quickly because we, we, we don't want to run too long, but uh, and we we got a few other things we want to talk about here. I, I did let's mention some faux pas. <clears throat> uh, the as you mentioned, the photographer's vest is. Shh. Would you say it's a dead giveaway? I know it is to other concealed carry people. Well, you know, and, and
3: again. I will go back to Melody's great article on her blog that appeared yesterday, and she talks about all those little – there were just a couple of things that made her blend in to the the, the crowd in Hollywood and, again, a couple of things that made her stand out as a tourist. And Claude Warner has talked about this too, that – People are a lot more perceptive than we think they are. And you hear this all the time on the forums. Well, I carry my gun openly and nobody even noticed. Trust me, they noticed.
2: Yeah, sure they did. Yes. Definitely.
3: You know, d- don't, don't think that you're walking around and, and that everybody's oblivious to what's going on. People do uh, – that people have a good innate sense of things that are wrong. Mm-hmm. So the, the – Well,
0: and what's normal in their
3: environment. And mm-hmm. what's normal in their environment. So the guy – And wearing what's the, wrong it yeah. what's wrong? Yeah. The guy wearing the photographer's vest, unless you're at a convention of wedding, uh, want to be wedding photographers, uh, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah. Uh, unless you're shooting an IBD, IDPA match and everybody's wearing the same silly, you know, right. cover garments, then you're good. You're good to go. So if all you do is shoot IDPA matches, hey, the photographer's vest is for you.
2: Yeah. Okay. Another one would be the fanny pack. <laughs> yes, the Fanny Pack. I saw a guy Ooh, with one I on. And a, of course, this we one We just
1: lost half the British listeners. Well.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Ouch.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, okay. Now you don't run those people off. We've got a lot of people that listen from from the I know okay. that's why I said from the it. kingdom.
3: So Okay, I've got a confession to make. When I first started carrying back in the early 90s, one of the first things I did was to buy a fanny pack because, you know, that's – the guy at the gun store told me that's how I should carry my gun. And I was stupid enough to listen. Oh, they were
2: popular back then.
3: They were popular oh, back were then. were
2: they ever <laughs> popular?
3: And I went in to look at I, – I was in the market for a specific Italian sports car and I went in. This this one place had a used one. It was a car that was no longer in production. Yeah. Uh, no, actually. It was a Lancia. Mm-hmm. But, okay, yeah. Uh, I, I went in and and was looking at this thing, and the guy, the, the salesman, looked right at me and says, so what kind of gun are you carrying? <laughs> 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 and I, uh, 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 no, I just keep my wallet in there because it's, uh, okay, yeah. bye now.
2: <laughs> well, let, let, me me say, let me say, let me say, the one I saw recently, the this was one, and when they came out with those, um, you know, and I guess you know people some people were still wearing fanny packs to be wearing them i mean you know non carrying people and um which is shocking actually but but uh putting that aside they they would make them you know some that were small they'd fit the i think the most popular ones were the ones for the like the j frame size revolvers, and I'd see more of those, which they blended in a little bit better because they were you know. And then, of course, some of the designs, they had the kind where the zipper goes around the back, but you had something where you could carry things in the front as well. And uh, the mere fact that the um, the belt was much wider, <laughs> had a huge, the buckle on it was like industrial strength. I mean, you know, um, we're talking about something used, you know, I don't know, at a firehouse possibly, um, you know. And, and on top of it all, they had some that were the size that would fit a full-fledged. Five inch 1911 <laughs> and this is the oh, one gosh. i saw the other day with the guy on uh as nope. a matter of fact we were we went i'd gone in to get uh well grant some barbecue i went to get some barbecue um because we've been talking about it you know and and i just got to thinking about it thought well it, i can't handle it i gotta go get some so i went over to the to the q joint and i'm standing at the counter and the guy walks up and i'm you know i'm seeing this i swear to you that the the uh the belt part that holds the fanny pack up had to have been three inches wide. It had to have been. And, uh, when he turned, uh, you know, obviously it was like four times the thickness of your standard fanny pack. And I thought at first, well, maybe it's, you know, uh, he's a, a paramedic or something to that nature and has something, you know, they just pulled in. But then when he turned, you know, it's got that, that, that grain leather on it and all that. I know what's going on. So I kind of like, I, I smirked and smiled a little bit. And he immediately saw me do that. And he just, he started laughing and I laughed a little bit. Uh, later on, I didn't want to say anything, obviously, but later on, he came, you know, I'd finished eating. He, he slid over and he said, he said, yeah, he said, I couldn't find my holster. <laughs> I said, but you found that. He said, yeah. I'm like, go right ahead, buddy. (laughs) That's It must have been flashback, or what do they call it, throwback Thursday. (laughs) Nice. Yes, very nice. But anyway, those are some faux pas. I think another one is like the Hawaiian shirt. Um, Mm -hmm. That one's a big one because, you know –
3: I'm okay. in North Carolina. Okay, a not
2: minute. a lot of Hawaiian stuff going on
3: around. So here. we're talking about the fanny pack followed up by the by the Hawaiian shirt, and and both of those things to me they go together. And I'm thinking Orlando in tourist season. I don't know why. <laughs>
2: just uh, <laughs> oh man. So. Well,
0: I think a faux pas would be just simply not updating your style at all. Well. No. Because you found that style that works with your gun. And this is more for women than it is for men because, as Paul said, men can pretty much wear the exact same thing over and over and over again and not really stand out too much.
1: Don't
3: sound but, so angry, Melody. <laughs>
0: I'm so sorry. It's your fault, Paul. It's all your fault.
3: Fangs um, come out. I should, I should, probably shouldn't tell her that I've worn the same pants for the last six years. I probably shouldn't mention that. Right as long as now. they're not
2: mom jeans, Grant. No, they're not. Okay. He
4: didn't but wash him. poor women.
2: <laughs> Unwashed. <laughs> they stand up by themselves in the corner.
0: <laughs>
2: Do you sleep in them? That's
0: it. You're uninvited to Iowa, Paul.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was making fun of Grant, not you, Melanie.
0: Oh, okay. All
1: right. <laughs> he said, I'm going
0: to go get my puppy.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, but um, I think it's important that Okay. So yeah, you found something that works for you. That's great. But if suddenly people are looking at you and wondering, you know, the nineties called, they want you back. (laughs) Um, you know, it might be time to try and maybe update a little bit, see if you can, you know, because blending in, and I did talk about that just a little bit in my blog article that blending in, or rather the opposite, standing out as the outsider has consequences And people do notice whether or not they say anything or do anything. They do notice, however. So if you want to blend into your environment, you really do have to kind of match that environment. Or if you're trying to get a job or if you are maybe you're carrying in a place where they don't want you to carry a gun. It's not illegal for you to carry a gun, but you might lose your job. But you're stuck in this fashion rut because that's how you feel like that's the only way you can carry your gun. It, that might be, that might peg you as an outsider more than you might think. So, you know, do what you can to kind of update your style and and make that carry work with the fashion that is, uh, you know, that's coming up. And it doesn't mean you have to be a fashionista or anything, but it's something to consider, especially if you're trying to be in a competitive job or something like that. You can't be wearing the same thing all the time.
3: See, that's why I let
2: my hair grow, because oh I want gosh. to update my look. So he can put a uh, GP100 in there, in his hair.
0: No, see, Grant, you, you, I've been seeing the pictures. You haven't grown the tactical beard yet.
3: No, no. It was, it was a choice of shave my head and grow a tactical beard or look like Benjamin Franklin, and, well, I've made my choice, and I'm comfortable with Boy, it. Boy, he did make it. There's no
2: doubt about it. He went from, he went, he, he chose the non badass way. That's it. That's went it. To the, uh, and,
3: and let me tell you, just for, and since Melody knows her, Lisa Looper approves of my hair. All right.
2: No.
1: Well, there you go. That's there it. you go. There you have and it. And you can't argue well, that's with
3: Lisa.
2: Okay. Well, this that, some good conversation. <laughs> um, uh, uh, there's a lot more we could spend another hour on, but we're not, obviously. But, uh, That was some good conversation on that. So, you know, if you guys got articles of clothing or certain types of carrier special gun you have, you can write us, email us, leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you think about what you do, Uh, because, you know, maybe it's a bring something we can bring up and spread the information around. Let's get to uh, let's finalize the show here. Uh, Wanted to mention a little bit of news or at least a rumor, a rumor. And it has to do with a Perhaps a single stack coming from i don't know Glock could it be have you seen these uh these things going around the internet like on Facebook and <clears throat> i I remember the first the first I saw a picture it said this spring and it meant you know uh this spring obviously coming up, but it had a picture of a spring <laughs> on a guide ride and all and uh you know, this is Glock doing this. And then you see another one that, that's leaked out. It shows the, like a slide, the top of the slide, the top strap. And it says confidence fits every lifestyle spring 2015. And then all of a sudden you saw another one that said Glock's first ever single stack nine millimeter. And it had a picture of a Glock 43 with a nine by 19 on the side. Now, there was some talk that that one may be a little Photoshop action. But uh, I don't know. What do you think, guys? Well, the,
3: uh, there there are two things we know for sure. The first thing is that Glock has a an, an unusual for Glock pre-NRA show media event scheduled mm-hmm. for the evening before NRA show starts. And I don't get to go because my plane doesn't get in in time. But our own Paul Carlson. Paul will be there. Back.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be bringing you live information from the range on Thursday. What's the the date, Grant? What is that? Uh, The 9th, I think it is, isn't it? Thursday,
3: April 9th. We'll find out what Glock has to say. Awesome. But Glock is also apparently having some sort of a press event this Friday Hmm. at noon Eastern, I think. And there are a number of people that are going to be live blogging this, and uh, I I heard about it on the uh, – what is Kevin's blog, Paul? The name escapes me. Misfires uh, and Light Strikes. Yeah, Misfires and Light Strikes blog mentioned something about it this morning. So who
2: knows? Hmm. Who knows indeed? Of course, you know, they've got that single-stacks small 380, the 43, I think it is 42 is 42 rather yes, that's the 42 me, and so the speculation is they've mm-hmm. got a
3: 43
2: yeah and and you know everybody's been like okay they're the last one to the to the game on that one and uh yeah they kind of pretty much are mm-hmm. but uh who knows i mean you know that'll come out uh if they have one will we all be getting one hello uh, well maybe
1: <laughs>
2: i won't be <laughs> no
1: I, I would have one because uh, you know, in my role as an instructor, I need to help people yeah. to sort out the idea of what it is that's good for them to carry concealed. Yeah, so that's the excuse I, a so I use with my wife too. Nice. <laughs>
3: so
1: I, I throw one into the uh, to the rental group. You know, the Smith and Wesson Shield is is one of my favorites. Um, so we'll see if the Glock can outdo it.
0: Yeah, and that's my issue too. Is I I love my my shield. I was looking for a single stack nine that that was that small. Smith and Wesson answered that call and why try something different? I mean, I guess I will, but why, you know, I'm sorry, Glock, you came in late.
2: Yeah, I just wonder. I'm, I'm having mean, my love affair. Well, like you say, I mean, the shield with the non phone safety has established themselves thoroughly at this point, I think. Um, yes. And um, if I were to go for one, that had been it. Um Right there uh, with a with a small stack like that, uh, short. I mean a uh, single stack. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Maybe it'll. Maybe people that just swear by Glock and nothing else. Maybe this is what they've been waiting on. I don't know. The fact and there's are, a
1: ton of those people.
2: They really yeah. are. Yes, really they really are. are. Yeah. So,
3: and there there is a gun for everybody, and there's a reason for everybody to have something different in the marketplace, and so it. If this is what they announce, then I'm sure it will appeal to a certain segment of the buying public.
2: I'm sure it will sell very well because it is a Glock. Yep. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, that's the reason right there. I think so. Um, Melody, safety for what is it? Safety for safety? Safety
0: for a safe? Safety for a safe? Safety for a safe. safe. Um, This is something I came up with. I was really thinking, how can we incentivize people to take training? Uh, after hearing, I was listening to Ballistic Radio. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I mention the competitors? Um, uh, I was listening to...
2: She goes <laughs> to Warner. Hollywood. I was to Doesn't Todd mention Warner. the show. I don't know. She's on. <laughs>
0: <sighs> anyway, Claude Warner was talking about negative outcomes. And you know, and the top two being that or the top two reasons for those negative outcomes being that people aren't getting the training and they aren't storing their firearms prop appropriately. And this is true the anti-gun people say the exact same thing, gun handling and storage. So I was thinking, how in the world can we incentivize people to store their guns safely and get training to handle them properly? And at about 3 o'clock in the morning, it hit me, what if we gave away a safe as a drawing for going and taking safe handling training? And I'm thinking that kind of hits both issues right there. Obviously, you can't give a safe to everyone, but a drawing for a safe might be a good idea. So I went ahead and contacted a ton of, well, I say a ton, as many as I could think of, the quick access safe manufacturers. And only one got back to me. And mm-hmm. that was the manufacturers of the gun box. The gun box, if you don't know, they have RFID um, quick access safe. So you can have an RFID bracelet, ring, whatever. You just swipe that over top of the safe and the thing pops open. You have access to your firearm immediately and they have bio so if you don't use the the rfid you can use your thumb your finger whatever and same thing so or you can use a combination of them both and they got back to me and donated one of their safes wow. for this campaign it's running until uh, uh, may 31st and what the Stipulation is, is if anyone, and this goes for anyone, I'm not, this isn't just my training, this is anyone's training. I don't care what gun training you get. It has to be a minimum of four hours. You have to get a certificate at the end of that and be able to provide your information and your instructor's information so that I can call and verify that you actually did take that class. But in exchange for that four hours of gun training, you are entered into a drawing to win a free gun safe. Valued at, I think it's about three hundred and fifty dollars mm. for one of these safes. So this is not a small, you know, little lockbox or something like that. No, this, this is, is the a, real deal, this and it's is got the tech, deal.
2: high technology on it too. So.
0: Yes, it wow. has both the bio scanner and the RFID. So this is a great, great safe. In mm. fact, I was kind of like, "Darn it, why didn't I get one of these?" Yeah. But so if you go to tinyurl.com/slash safety for a safe and that's just all spelled out safety f-o-r-a safe then you get all the details there you can enter in your information the class has to be taken between march 15th which was sunday and may 31st and the drawing will will happen on june 3rd i believe that's a wednesday Mm. and at that time i will pick a random name I will call that instructor to confirm that you indeed were in that class. So there is definitely going to be a check to make sure that you were in that class. But again, and and if you take multiple trainings, you can enter in multiple times. But it has to be one entry per training event. Awesome. So spread the word let all your instructor friends know. Hopefully that can actually incentivize people to come into training events. And like I said, I don't care whose training it is as long as they're a certified instructor.
2: Very good. Well, um, you know, announce it on, I don't know, maybe this show, you know, <laughs> just saying, just kind of saying, <laughs> throwing it out there, you know, uh, or one of those others, you know, I, I hear, I hear, uh, Paul's making a studio. Um, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome <laughs> to Let just, Safety Solutions Academy. Yeah. Magic hour.
0: <laughs> I'm going to hire world. Paul. He's got that perfect voice.
2: Yeah, I'm perfect. loyal, Doc. I'm loyal. Yeah, you are tonight, buddy. You are tonight.
0: <laughs> For tonight.
2: <laughs> anyway. All right. So moving along. Uh, there, man, this is exciting. The PDN touring uh, training tours coming up. Yeah. yeah talk about it, man.
3: Yeah, the, the
2: 2015
3: uh, Personal Defense Network uh, spring training tour is kicking off actually this weekend as we're recording this, which is uh, March 23rd, I think, something like that. And the spring training tour is Personal Defense Network's uh, series of classes that happen all over the United States from one coast to to the other coast. And there are just a whole bunch of classes from personal defense network contributors In all kinds of of different topics, and you'll be able to take classes from some really well-known people, people like Mike Seeklander and Rob Pincus and Caleb Causey, and I'll I'll be teaching a couple of classes on the tour as well. So lots of chances to get out there, get training, in fact, get some training, and maybe enter Melody's uh, contest and Mm -hmm. win a gun safe. Who knows? There are a lot of of different things ranging from basic beginning defensive pistol to to active shooter response to field medicine, tactical medicine, and uh, of, of course... My classes in uh, Threat centered Revolver, a couple of them there as well. So lots of opportunities all over the country, Sacramento, Nashville, Orlando, Phoenix, St. Augustine, Garrettsville, Ohio, Chicago, just all over the place. California, there's some in Sparks, Nevada. So all over the United States, you can... And Garrettsville, Ohio. And and Garrettsville, Ohio. So... (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, it's so great. We had to sail twice, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, go to personaldefensenetwork.com. Uh, and there's a link there for the 2015 PDN training tour. Just click on that and we'll give you, it'll give you all the dates and locations. There are links so you can actually go to the individual websites and register for these classes directly. You don't register through personal defense network. You register through the instructor's site, but all all of the, all of the links are there. You can go and register and get in some great training this spring.
2: Awesome. Looking forward to that. Uh, Paul, uh, you got anything you want to mention other than the fact that you use this show to springboard uh, to have your own um...
1: (laughs) my own studio? If uh... you want to start your own podcast, (laughs) talk to Safety Solutions Academy, helping you reach the (laughs) the gun the next level. (laughs) No, I'm fired up. I'm hosting four, not including myself, four other PDN contributors this year. Four. I've got Caleb Causey coming actually this weekend. Uh. There'll be some whiskey. William April, Dr. William April, as Melody mentioned, in April. Grant <laughs> Cunningham in June and Daniel Shaw in June. So we're going to have a busy year. So I'm fired up about that.
2: Man, you just got yeah. it going on. All we of y'all just got it going on. Making waves. Man, and then my job is to herd the cats. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well that was a good show tonight. We covered a lot of topics and uh <clears throat> hope everybody enjoyed it. Um give us your comments and feedback, we'd appreciate it. So uh, you know, guys appreciate it. Um say goodnight, Grant. Good night, Grant. Y'all have a good night.
1: Good night, Grant. Good
2: night. <laughs> goodnight. Good 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 <laughs> mm, that'll do it for this episode of the Gun Nation. Thanks for listening to us. Go to GunNation.us for all things Gun Nation. And until the next episode, remember to stay armed, stay polite.